Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Running the 615 Podcast. This is your host, Drew Jones. You are listening to episode 32, and this is a big one. <laughs> we have, uh, our, not only do we have our first guest ever from Running the 615 back, who is the one doing the interview for this special episode, I am sitting across from her right now as a bit of an introduction and prequel to all that happened to get Desi Linden, 2018 Boston Marathon champion in Nashville for an interview, and we recorded it so all of you could hear it, and we might as well make it a Running the 615 podcast as it all happened in the 615. Christy Beth, it's great to see you. Hi! Hi! Uh, if you don't mind, CB, first of all, again, thank you for being guest number one on Running the 615 and one of our top three loyal fans that we've had now 32 episode ends. Uh, tell me about how this came to be, about Desi being in Nashville and getting the chance to sit down and talk with her about her new book and, and all that just kind of happened for Desi yeah. to be here the day after Rock and Roll Ab- Nashville. Absolutely. Well, you know, you used to work at Fleet Feet Nashville and since then you've worked with Brooks. And so we've been partners and it's probably the one thing we've consistently talked about every year is like, we've got to get Des to Nashville. And we usually get to interact with her at the running event in Austin every year. And she's just so fun. And yeah, so we're yet again, we get together and we're like, if we could do anything this year, it'd be to have Des. Um, So funny enough, Neither you nor I had any part in getting her to Nashville. We talked a ton about it and had nothing to do with it. (laughs) But thankfully, um, I married up and my husband, Bob Kennedy, he used to run professionally and he co-owns running stores in Indianapolis, Athletic Annex, shout out. And he had reached out to Josh Cox also a a former professional runner, Dez's agent. And so he was actually trying to get a time when Dez could come out to Athletic Annex. And so as they were just talking through the schedule, there was an opportunity, there was like an opening in Dez's schedule. It happened to be Rock and Roll Marathon Weekend here in Nashville. And um, so Bob was like, I think my wife would be interested in getting her to Nashville. And um, I said, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't know I loved you this much. Didn't know I could love you any more than I already did. By the way, I love you. Um, So yeah, that's how it all worked out. So connected us with Josh Cox and uh, because Des was on her book tour, um, you know, when, when professional athletes have contracts, there's not always a lot of like personal appearances built in those contracts because they're competing like year round. Um, so when somebody's on a book tour, it's actually a little bit easier to get people to make appearances. Um, it just is. There's a lot of reasons behind that. Uh, but it just, the stars aligned. This Did they year. ever? And the star showed up in Nashville. Bob Kennedy, your husband, also a guest on Running the 615. I think he introduces himself to people that way a lot. Now. <laughs> uh, that's I hope he awesome. introduces yeah. himself as as the husband to the Christy Beth Adams. That's probably right. That sounds more accurate. Bob uh, uh, basically got this set up, which is awesome. And the day was great. I mean, it really, it really went well. We'll talk about the day of the actual interview in a second. I know that you have met Desi before. I, I saw you guys on a panel together at the marathon trials in Atlanta, 2020, right. I believe that was. Um, talk about just, you know, 
how you know Desi and then your interview prep for this. Of, of course, she had her book. So there was that, you know, reading the book. But, you know, how did you kind of go get yourself ready for this yeah. day and for yeah. interviewing Desi? Yeah. Um, Des and I aren't besties. I'm still working on that. Um, getting closer. Now. But getting closer and closer. But yes, I sat on a panel with her at the Olympic trials, like you mentioned, and she was competing the next day. So I think she even said she sat in the chair closest to the door the night that we did the panel, because it was basically like swooped in right before the panel started. As soon as the panel was over, they got her out of there. Um, so, you know, she, she doesn't know who I am, even though we're both in this small world that is, you know, the running industry. Um, but yeah, I've obviously read her book. Um, I've interviewed a handful of people before, and it's important to me that you take time to ask thoughtful questions. Um, I love consuming podcasts. And so I always enjoy it when different interviewers are able to bring out new information. So I really wanted to ask questions that maybe other people hadn't already asked her. I always like to go a little bit deeper on questions, not so superficial. Um, So yeah, reading the book, also, she and Kara, as most people know, have a podcast together. So I listened to a handful of those episodes because I really just wanted to know like what information is already out there and are there some angles that I can take that maybe would give Des an opportunity to talk about some things in a new way. And so hopefully that's what came through in our interview. Oh, it so did. I mean, I've already said it. The whole event day, everything about it was awesome. I mean, the weather was great. The venue where it took place was awesome. Great attendance. A lot of people were there and excited. You did a wonderful job interviewing her. Uh, Josh, her agent that was there, super cool guy, helped her kind of get ready for the interview. And then after it was over, I drove them directly to the airport. They were, you know, on their way to their next thing. And Desi absolutely commented about the questions and how she felt like you asked some things she doesn't rarely, uh, she doesn't get asked a lot. And she liked that. And she really just enjoyed it as a whole. So total success. I mean, it really was just a great thing to be a part of. Now, removed from it, how did you feel about how it went? And like, what's your just kind of memory from that day? Yeah, we got incredible feedback from the event. Like, it really was neat to see you know, these people are role models, whether they want to be or not. Um, But like my friend JB loves Des and seeing her at the event and seeing her meet Des, it was just so cool that we got to be a part of getting Des here and hosting that event. So, so many people could meet her and talk to her. And Des is just someone who you feel like you've known your whole life and that you could be friends with. Like she's just like very accessible um, and makes herself, you know, human, not like on a different level as other people. And so I just think it was a really cool opportunity that we got to be a part of that event. I was extremely nervous leading into the event just because I'm a perfectionist and I'm a people pleaser and all these things. Um, But like you said, Des was awesome. Josh was amazing. He shows up in his Padres gear. So of course I had to give him shit about that because my husband's a Dodgers fan. and They are team Padres for sure. Yes. Yes. So it was so fun just to have that rapport with them that day. And they were both so kind and 
um, it was just a blast. So I'm really glad that we had that opportunity. Yeah, it really was. Uh, to your point, uh, my wife, Birdie, was there sitting in the front row. Her really good friend, Jennifer Reservi, was sitting next to her, also massive Desi fan. And you literally could walk around during the interview and just see in people's eyes their enjoyment of sitting right there with Desi and listening to her talk. And, of course, got to take pictures with her. And, I mean, you know. There were a lot of things that went into it. Terry, of course, Fleefy Nashville did a ton prepping for it and getting it all ready to go. But what a what a slam dunk that yes. day was. It Terry really... Terry did a ton of the heavy lifting, to be clear. I'd tell people I just sort of swoop in <laughs> at, the, at the last minute. Um, but she did all the behind the scenes. So it was really an after party celebration for our training group that participated in the race. Right. And so we had these really cool posters that people were able to customize and just the fellowship was amazing. And like you said, the venue was really beautiful and it was a sunny day. And so it really was this group effort. We, one of our favorite sayings, teamwork makes the dream work. That's it. Um, so between you and Brooks and Terry and Des and Josh and Bob and just everybody, right? Like it all came together to be so fun. For sure. I mean, that's Nashville's weekend really, as far as running is concerned. Yes. I mean, that race is big, great attendance again this year. It looks like it's back up on the rise, yes. close to 25,000. Weather was great that day for the race as well. It felt cool that morning. Cheer site you guys had uh, right there there on the on the main drag on 12th avenue total success so i mean there's nothing really to say about that weekend other than just thumbs up across the board Uh, i feel like desi really enjoyed being in nashville i mean she ran boston marathon that monday and it was in nashville saturday night uh birdie and i went over to meet her at the hotel so she could sign books and there was a lot of books to sign and i remember thinking i was like man she's probably tired like this is it was a little bit later at night i was like i don't know maybe we can do this tomorrow when she's got a night's sleep and I, I mean, she has definitely signed some autographs before in her life because it was a clinic just watching her look at each book, sign it in the right place and just like go through them. I mean, it was it was neat to she's see an that endurance athlete. She's running, like, she, I mean, I think Josh, her, her agent even said when it comes, he's like, hey, man, he's like, she's a professional. Well, kudos <laughs> to her. The I mean, event. Yeah, she, she had was. that Sharpie in her back pocket. You know, people are like, oh, will you sign this? And they're, they're looking around, you know, and she was like, whoosh, you know, ready pulling that run. out of her back pocket. She was ready. Yeah. She was born ready so she she talked highly of nashville again and it seems like you know she wants to come back here in the near future and and maybe do something again is there anything you know you'd like to set up you know in the future for when when desi comes back to music city hopefully yeah well i would love to get her input on that she really did i mean maybe she tells everybody this but she was like i'd love to come back to nashville and i'm like hell yes um but i i really hope that that was sincere and yeah i think i would just be curious like what does she want to see what does she want to explore um you know she's a big bourbon fan uh there's some if you read through her book, there's several times that she references different music lyrics. And so um, even like some Johnny Cash lyrics. And so I'd be super curious just like what she would want to do in Nashville. And I would love to sort of like just tag along and be in conversation with her. Um, And then I know that she, I believe along with her husband, have an interest in coffee. And so I think it would also be fun to take her around to some of the local coffee shops and and, um, yeah, just kind of whatever it is that she 
she's interested in and then what Nashville has to offer that sort of matches that arena. Right. Um, just have a day doing that. Yeah. Experience all that. Yeah. I'm so glad you just said that sentence. You said, I feel like you tell everybody that. Literally, this is now episode 32. My wife's favorite answer in the history of running the 615 podcast is about two minutes into episode one. I tell you, I'm like, you're my favorite. And you go, you say that to everybody. <laughs> you're like, you literally say that to everyone. And I was like, well... That actually might be true. I think I <laughs> could meet somebody at a gas station and like three months later be like, oh my God, that's one of my favorite people I've ever met. I love that but, about you. But there is truth to it. Like when I tell somebody my favorite, like I do, Julia, I was like, oh my God, you're my favorite. But it's her favorite answer. She's like, I, I was like sitting here across to my favorite. And you're like, you tell everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, CB's known you a long time. Yeah. She nailed like, that All right, one. let's get this podcast rolling. Uh, well, let's catch up just a bit, Chrissy Beth. You were guest number one on Running the 615, and and really, this podcast has been awesome. We've had a lot of just great guests on here and and certainly have some more people in the future I want to interview, but we sat across from each other in the fall 2019 was episode one for Running the 615. Several things have happened, both uh, in our lives and just in the world. Uh, we both got married since that podcast happened. We've had a pandemic that was kind Not of a big deal. Not to each other, too. To be clear. That's true. We didn't know. We, However, we were both at each other's wedding. <laughs> That's true. Yes, we were. And you actually got married in the one state that I am ordained. And I got to wear my little clergy badge and I was there and ready. If you were needed. ready. You were ready. You were a good uh, backup. We got married in the middle of the pandemic and you got married in Colorado kind of on the on the back ends of it. But but both were were awesome. Uh, yeah, but we there's just a lot going on. We've had some inventory issues in the running industry. Uh, just all kinds of things. What What's your take on, on what's gone on since uh, we had episode one? Yeah. Such a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, that could be anything. Yeah, it is. It really is shocking if you go back and like inventory every single thing that's happened in four years. Um, time is such a fascinating thing, right? Like there's ways in which it moves so slow. And then there's ways in which it moves so quickly. And there were obviously a lot of hard things involved with the pandemic, just personally, uh, being a mom, being a divorced mom and how you co-parent and, and how your families interact. And then obviously being a small business owner, that was a next level thing. And and it was interesting because so many people are like, have you ever experienced anything like this before? And I'm like, no, it's a global pandemic. Yeah. I've never experienced anything like this before. Like there is no handbook for this, you know? No. And so I, I do want to just sort of not, not ignore the fact that it happened because there are bits and pieces here and there where you're like, oh, I grew a lot. I learned a lot. I understand what's important in my life. You know, it made you prioritize a lot of things. But in a lot of ways, I'm like ready to put that behind me and hope we never have to experience it again. Sure. Um, but then, yeah, going back to the whole prioritizing things, you got married, I got married. Um Definitely during the pandemic, I was like trying to get Bob to like go to a justice of the peace. Like there were there were totally nights where I was just like in tears, like, let's just do it. Let's just go make it official right now. Life is so short, you know? Yeah. Um, but now things are settled back in a little bit, you know, from a business standpoint and from a family standpoint. And um things are things are good and just trying to figure out what I want 
Fleet Feet to look like as a company. We're growing a lot. I love creating opportunities for people uh, to work in the running industry. I have a lot of pride in that. I love running. I'm so grateful for running. So I love how Fleet Feet can serve the community and we can get more people working in this industry. Um, So love that. And then Bob and I just really enjoy being married and his kids are about to go off to college very soon um, or graduate high school. And yeah, we're just excited to kind of see what this next stage of life has in store for us. Um, so all all good things. But yes, life is quite a bit different than it was four years ago, oh, but in an sure. amazing way. Yeah. I, I mean, the, just from the industry that we're all in, the thing that I will remember from COVID and when the pandemic happened was there was definitely a week to month of like a week to month period of like what is going to happen in in our industry and in, with running stores with Brooks with all these things and running took an uptick from from COVID yeah. people were in their house more and got out more because of that and started walking and started running and doing you know what is the simplest way to happiness running in a basic exercise but running really like got going again and people kind of leaned in on it which which was awesome to have that like take from something that was pretty crazy to be going through but people were getting out more and moving more and walking with friends and running I, like, it's one of the things we could I love do that. right right and and i would say even if i weren't someone who was professionally invested in more people getting out and walking and running um at at my core, that just made me so happy. Sure. I mean, physical and mental health are our greatest gifts. And I'll try not to get emotional about that. But walking, running, being outside, being exposed to sunshine, moving your body, it really is one of the greatest things you can do to improve your mental state, to improve your physical state. And I loved that more people got into it. Um, sure. And and yes, it, it means from, you know, professionally, that means more customers, it means more people to serve. Uh, but ultimately, even if I weren't in this industry, that would just make me so happy. It's something we all need more of. Absolutely. Well, let's just talk about Fleet Feet Nashville real quick. Uh, again, going back from when we had our first episode together, in that time period, Fleet Feet Brentwood has been through a remodel and Fleet Feet Hendersonville has gone across the street to a brand new location and remodeled. Fleet Feet Green Hills, your three stores are now About to be remodeled. Yeah, like a couple of days away from it. So Fleet Feet Nashville is doing awesome. Your stores are beautiful. Like you said, Nashville's running industry is 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 running community is growing and right. Fleet Feet Nashville is growing with it. You know, what what do you feel about Fleet Feet Nashville and just kind of what's going on with it right now? I'm sure it feels like a, a train that's just flying past that you're trying to hold on to, but Right. Yeah. No, I I tell people that I'm closest to, and now I guess anybody who listens to this podcast will hear it, but sometimes I joke that I have uh, Fleet Feet bipolar, um, because I think there's days where it's it's just like, all right, gas pedal, let's go. Um we have this huge community there. The community has needs. I think we as a team do a really good job of meeting those needs. And that means like actually helping people find shoes or even the philanthropic work that we do in the community. Like we just are very driven to help and serve. And, and so with greater 
growth in the community, that means there's more opportunities. And and so I just want to be the one who meets those needs for people. Um, and, and then there's days where I'm just like, I'm tired, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and like, I want to be sure that um, my kids come first and my husband lives in a different state. And so that, you know, just takes time to physically drive um, there and back each week. And um, so, yeah, it's always just trying to balance like my own personal needs along with the needs of the community. And, and really the answer to making that all happen is an incredible team. And I think that's probably been the biggest change in the past four years is like pre pandemic, I really felt like I was like maybe on an island, you know, being an owner, not necessarily having a co-owner in place or having partners in the business and having gone through the pandemic and a number of other things. I mean, my team was basically like, you feel like you're on an island? And they're like, well, we want on the island with you. And I was like, really? Okay. And so I think that's like been the biggest learning is that I was almost trying to like protect them or, or sort of had to like wear this, you know, CEO hat of, I have to make all these decisions, you know, and that has been a big change in the past four years is that it absolutely takes a team and I have an incredible team and they do so many things better than I do, whether that's marketing or, you know, outfitting a customer or managing people or managing inventory or buying. I mean, there's so many aspects of the business that I'm like, yes, I need help with this. And so um, I'm just super fortunate that my team loves what they do. And they know how important my personal life is to me right now. And so they work their butts off so that I can have the flexibility that I have with my family. And that's just, they're just, they're the best. Well said, CB. Well, when we were working together in 2008, there was less than 10 of us uh, that would fall under the category <laughs> of Fleet Feet staff. Now you're close to 100 with three yeah, stores. I think and we're over 100. Again, they're all doing well. I was uh, a Fleet Feet employee, then I was a Brooks employee, and then now I am your Brooks sales rep. And you helped me get through all that and helped get that started. So as always, thank you, Christy Welcome. Beth, for helping me get where I am and and doing something that I love and working for a company that's so fun to be a part of. You were instrumental in it. So I really appreciate it. I'm honored. You know that. I appreciate you being guest number one on this podcast. And I appreciate all the listeners out there who, who listen to this podcast on a regular basis. And I couldn't be more excited for people to hear this. I mean, Desi Linden is a super cool person. I've hung out with her numerous occasions, most of the time at uh, TRE where there's live music going on, but she's super fun. She's super real. She's a phenomenal runner. I mean, you can't look past that. And she's just had a, such a successful career. The book is awesome. We had sales meeting the week after um, Desi was here. I read half of it on the way there on the flight, half of it on, on the way back in Seattle. And it's a great book. Very very easy read. She tells the story so well about just her life and in particular the Boston Marathon, but it was awesome. That event was awesome. Great job on that interview with her. I know you were nervous, but you really did awesome. And it was it was nothing but fun and enjoyable. Thanks. I'm excited to go back and listen to it because in the moment, you know, it's it's hard to take it all in. So I'm excited to listen to this podcast too. There you go. Here we go, everyone. Episode 32, Boston Marathon champion and Fleet Feet Nashville owner, Des Linden, Christy Beth. Here you go. Enjoy it. Thanks for being a part of this episode, CB.
everybody. Thank you so much for being here on a beautiful Sunday in Nashville, Tennessee. Who ran the race yesterday? What a beautiful day in Nashville. It was advertised as faster and flatter than ever before. I found it to be hilly and slow. Anyone else? It was a great day, though. Let's say thank you so much to Terry and Trey, the coaches of the training group. You guys had a really good spring season of training and getting ready, and a lot of logistics goes into that to getting run set up. So Terry, thank you. Terry is also big time behind this event today. So again, a round of applause for Terry. Awesome. We have a lost and found already. Anybody losing their glasses? Okay, we'll do that again at the end and decide if you want them then. Okay, let's do a couple of introductions first. Standing up there on your right is a lady that in 2008 took over Fleet Feet Sports. When she took it over, there was one store in the past 15 years that has become three stores. Every year they are nominated for one of the top running stores in the country. And as you all know, she is a joy to know, Christy Beth Adams. And on the left, we have someone who is new to Nashville, Tennessee. She is a two-time Olympian, a nine top five finisher at World Marathon Majors. She is the current 50K world record holder, fastest woman, the only one to ever run under three hours. 50K is just north of 31 miles. She is the 2018 Boston Marathon champion. And she is here to promote her new book called Choosing to Run, which debuted as number four on New York Times bestseller. Des Linden, everybody. Christy Beth, take it away. Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Awesome. Um, we are so excited to have you. Uh, I was telling Josh earlier, I don't know where he is now, but... Um, there's a lot of people we want to see come through Nashville, and there's a lot of people we want to talk about running and life with, uh, but Des has been at the top of our list for a really long time, and when we found out she was going to come visit Nashville and I told folks about it, uh, it was obvious you all all feel the same way. Like, Des is someone that, right, that you um, maybe feel like you can relate to a, a little bit more and is just that hardworking, uh, not flashy just goes in and no, are you offended by that one? I know Look that's at these true. Shades. These Damn are it! Again. Damn it! We are off to a great start. Already offended, Des. Um, but from a from a running standpoint, how how about that? Right, right. You're just there to show up and get the job done. And uh, there's something about that that's just like super humbling. So uh, we're really stoked to have you today. Thanks for coming to Nashville. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah. excited to be here. I was excited to, it's been a really quick trip, but in the short amount of time I've been here, I'm like, oh, I have to plan a proper trip to Nashville. So um, I'll certainly be back. Yes. There are a lot of coffee shops and there's plenty of bourbon for you to sample. So we'll, we'll keep you busy. Um, okay, awesome. So we've got, I probably should have asked Josh, this in advance. We've got a little bit more time. Are you so. about to offend me again? No, no. Oh, do if I get his permission, it's cool. Okay, yeah. No. So if I get the like cut off, then you know, let me know. Um, okay. So I'm curious how many people have already read the book. 
My friend JB shot up her hand immediately. Okay. So I I don't want to spoil things about the book because it was a real treat to read through it and and think I knew a lot of the story, but I didn't know the whole story. Um, So I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Um, But we will start chronologically. Uh, The book is super fun and that it bounces back and forth between like chronological, like growing up and then leading into Boston 2018. And it kind of bounces back and forth. So there's always that little teaser waiting for you in the next chapter uh, to, to see how that 2018 race unfolded. Uh, but we'll go back to chronologically. So you grew up in year-round sports, and you talk about your dad, Dennis, in, a book, in the book, was a big influence on that. So just tell us about your experiences in all sports, and then tell me about how that transitioned specifically into running. Yeah, I mean, I think at a very young age, it was obvious that we were going to be in activities that kept us out of trouble, and that was sports. I think my mom tried to put us in, like, dance and tap and things like that, and we were just too rough. And Dad was like, we're going to do sports. So it was t-ball, like co-ed t-ball, co-ed soccer, and we had a few other things. He would always, like, find different things to put us in. And it was just something that we realized we were going to have to do as as kids, and we were going to stay out of trouble by doing this. Um, but you also learned like, oh, there's friendships here. There's like understanding how the game's played, being a student of the sport, um, and all of those things. I mean, I think like always get the the question from parents like, what, what's your advice to young kids? And my parents they did it right by making us athletes first. It was like, do whatever you want to do, and stay out of trouble, and you're going to play sports, and that you know, I think kept me interested in running when I was finally exposed to it. It was like, oh, this is something I found for myself. And then I was able to apply all the different things I learned from the other sports and the athleticism. And so I was able to bring that over. And I think that just made me a better runner and I appreciate it and enjoyed it more. Yeah. And a couple of things I thought were interesting in the book, um, there was a fear that you'd become lazy. Was that you or your dad that that thought came from to keep you involved in sports year round? From my dad. Like if we got like a new video game console for Christmas, we'd play it for like two days straight and you'd be like, okay, we're done. Like this thing's like, we're throwing away all the games. Pulling the plug. Yeah, until you go out, like go outside and get some fresh air, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So they're like, you're just not, like you're not gonna do the thing where you sit around, like you're gonna be outside and be active and like off screens and we're not watching a ton of TV. Um, So that was from Dennis. Yeah. (laughs) I I love how you also call him Dennis in the book. Has he still not read the book, your dad? Or has he read it now? I think he has. Like my my parents text me, like we don't talk too often. It's kind of like... Hey, great job. Thumbs up emoji. (laughs) Um, But I'll get out there at some point and we'll sit down and have the conversation. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, you know, one thing, it's a memoir. It's not a marketing piece. And that's like of all the relationships. And I think readers are smart enough to know, like, well, this is just lies. Like, no one's life is like this. No one's life is perfect. And so it was very important important to me to make sure it was authentic and realistic and, like, my relationship with my dad was very complicated and it still is. And um, I think there's a growth and understanding as adults that we have. And so we'll talk about it when I'm out there. <laughs> are, you, are you going to visit them soon? Eventually. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, I'll 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 change subjects. I'll how's so how's that? That wasn't offensive, right? That no, 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 no. Okay, cool, 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 cool. You talked about it You're first. You're doing all right. You're back all on right. track. Good, good, good. Um, so we did have. I'll I'll jump around to a recent. We talked about this earlier. My son's here. I have a ten-year-old and twelve-year-old. Force my daughter to run cross country in the fall. Um, she hates me for it right now, but my son is 12 and he runs and he's enjoying it. And, uh, this fall he asked me to get him some of those, uh, fancy carbon plated shoes at the age of 12. Um, and I, uh, I started running when I was in fourth grade and I consider myself a little bit of like a running purist, which I feel like you do based on your book. And, um, you know, my son was practicing like twice a week when he asked me this question and, and I'm like, you know, you could just add a day of running, you, you know what I mean? But, but for real, like there's, he just heard about it and these are these fast shoes. And, and, and so, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting at the age of 12 that, um, when people ask for your advice for their, for their kids, uh, what's, what's your token advice for, you know, if a lot of people here are parents, I know, and are maybe raising young athletes. So what's your advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's super simple and it's something that I still go back to today and it's just make sure it's fun, which sounds absurd because you're like, well, like it's your career now and it's your job. And that's still the kind of anchoring thought. Like when I get into these tough moments and this is a thing that's kind of throughout the book where it's like, why, why am I doing this? And it's really hard when it's your job and there's a lot on the line, but it's like the running part is really fun. And if you can make that the most important thing, running is a lifelong sport and you can do it for, I mean, you know, as long as you want to, and you tend to get better as you get older with experience and with more miles in the bank. So if it's a burden at a young age, like that's going to set you back for a long time and then hopefully you refind it, but you know, make sure it fits in, be an athlete first and then make sure it's fun. Like so many kids are introduced to running as punishment for their other sport. And that's like the worst way to be introduced. Like it should be fun. It shouldn't be the laps because you messed up the play. Um, it just make sure that joy is always in the process of going out for a run. I love that. Thank you for, you know, I'm, I'm not Olympian. So when I tell people that it really doesn't mean anything, but now I'll say, well, Des Linden gives this exact same advice. So <laughs> go out there and have fun, uh, which I think is great. So um, I'll, this is just another thing I wanted to talk on just because you said choosing to run. You said that choosing to run was the first real decision I ever made. It put distance between who I was and who other people told me I should be. Uh, do you just want to talk a little bit about that quote? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that kind of goes back to the childhood introduction to sports and, you know, we weren't going to be the lazy kids and it was being signed up for one of everything, like talk about a little bit in the book, but like my dad would look for these different opportunities. Like I very vividly remember being sent to like a golf camp on the weekend. I'm like, dad, I don't golf. Like <laughs> I, exactly. He's like, you're going to golf today. Let's go. Let's get up. And, um, and so I, like we would try all these things and sure enough, you come back from the golf camp and you're like, this is, I'm, I'm a golfer. This is cool. Like what's the next thing? And he's like, well, we're going to find something else. Like you're never going to get stuck in one thing. But running was a thing that I found and it was like oh I have this skill and like I'm on the soccer field I'm faster than everyone it's like a survival tactic because I'm tiny so I was like oh like I can run faster than everyone that's a skill that I have and um, fitness tests like I had more endurance than everyone and it was like 
I remember playing softball and being out in the outfield, like picking daisies and being like, I hate this. This is so boring. And like the parents were like, you finish the season and then, you, you know, you can pick the next thing you want to do, but you don't quit during a season. So that was, you know, the first thing, get through softball. Then it was like, I have to find something else because I'm not doing that again. And, you know, I, I chose track and field and it was, it was the one place where my dad didn't coach me. So it was like what I put in. I could see the rewards, um, you know, and I could work with different coaches and it was just a different mentality. And so it felt like a level of independence from that perspective. But also when you're out running, like there's a level of independence where you your mind's able to go and drift off or like focus in or whatever you want it to be. And there was just all these different things that I loved about it. And it was like there was an ownership of that. Like this is my space where I feel comfortable doing my thing. Um, I'm hearing like woo girls in the back. I, I don't know if you're hearing that too. Typical downtown Nashville. Um, so thanks for powering through. So I I'll, thought I'll, it was for me. I'm like, totally. they're listening they in. Like, they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see that pedal tapper. <laughs> they're they're coming our way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to bring you another beer. Um, so I'll jump into, so I'm a little curious. Um, you don't talk a ton about your collegiate experience. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of females sort of our age who rank collegiately who have books and, and there's a lot of focus on their collegiate experience. And, and maybe that's because they don't have the 2018 story that you have that comes later that takes up more of the book. Uh, but I did, I was just curious about, um, yeah, positive experience in college. I know for female runners, uh, as far as like eating disorders and not that we need to go like down this path too, too much, but, um, it was pretty obvious collegiately sort of what girls on the track had problems and who were healthy. Um, but yet those girls would put up some really great times maybe for a year. Um, so what was that like collegiately um, having good success in college, but not being one of those people that just came out of college and automatically there was a contract. So what was that collegiate experience? And then you decided to pursue professional running. Um, just talk a little bit about that. I loved college. <laughs> college running or college? I loved college. <laughs> I went to Arizona State. Anybody know about Arizona State? Yeah. 50,000 uh, student campus, uh, every house there has a pool. Um, you know, you don't wear that many clothes because it's really hot. Like, I loved college. It was and, amazing. And your parents gave you the, we're not mad, we're just disappointed. <laughs> exactly. With it. What the heck? Was, uh, between there and, and Cal Berkeley. So, like, the educations were on two end of, ends of the spectrum. But I was like, no, I want to be a runner and I want to go to Arizona State. And they're like, oh, this is, this is such a bad decision. Um, but I had an amazing time. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I think that was the, the thing is I went to school and I was like, I'm, I'm a student athlete and there's, you know, there's the education component and I got two degrees in four years, um, religious studies and uh, psychology. So like I didn't have any career options, but I had two degrees. <laughs> I was a uh, two time All-American. So running was like solid, but not, you know, there was no world's beater. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a good balance and. I had a great time making friends inside the sport and outside the sport. And so I, I thought like as a student athlete, I nailed it. If you're talking about being an athlete, I was, you know, good, but not great. And I think that that was like, kind of goes back to the core of like, make sure it's fun. 
And I watched a lot of athletes pursue collegiate athletics like it was professional athletics. And, you know, that amount of work they put in and how they dialed their nutrition and their energy and all of those things, it was like a career at that point. And for me, it's like that's not very fun. And doing it at a level just below, like I was close to the top. Um, and then I think the commitment level to get to that next echelon was just something I just didn't have the energy for at the time. Like I wanted to be a student athlete. And I think that that was what allowed me to pursue this really long term. Like when I got out of college, it wasn't like, there was so many people who were like, I was burnt out. Like I couldn't run another year. And I was felt like I was just getting started. Like, oh, I can now remove this, the student part off the table and the social component. And like, if I want to try professional running, I know that there's this much more to give. And that allowed me to pursue it as a career with a lot of energy and upside. So I think that that really saved me. I, I love that. Um, my my husband's daughter is going into her freshman year of college and, and she's had some success at the high school level. And yeah, she asked him, like, if I want to do this long term, like, what does that look like? And, and I think for most women, they're either good at the high school level or good at the college level. But at some point, it sort of burns out. So um so going on and post-collegiately joining the, the Hanson team, and that was a, a good option for you because I don't think you had a lot of other options. It was the, it was only, the only option. <laughs> this is a great option because it exists. Um, so moving to Michigan and, and pursuing that, and uh, but you didn't work in the store. So I thought that was super interesting. I laughed because I think in your podcast with Kara, she was like, wait, you didn't work in the store? But that was sort of like an A athlete got that as a part of their contract. So not only did you get in on that team, but you kind of like barely got in with that group. So yeah, what, what, what was that like? You were living in sort of like team housing, working at, uh, what was it, Moose Jaw? Um, so yeah, live in the professional runner life. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I think it was just a big mental shift. Like it was like, everything goes into being the best athlete possible. Um, and it was still like to a degree because I had to have the side job to get by, you know? And, and I think not picking, like picking something other than the running store was super healthy for me because it kind of kept that balance of student athlete. Um, obviously the work was to help fund the career path, but it was like, there's an outlet beyond just running because if you join the team and you're, um, at the stores, you, and live in the, the, the Hanson's houses, you, you have <laughs> home, <laughs> you have, okay. So you're, it's your coach, it's your boss and it's your landlord. And like, that's just too much. Like you have a bad workout and then you get yelled at at work and then you come home and the coach is waiting and he's like, clean your room. Like, you know, like it's just too much. And so for me, like I actually lived outside the houses for a bit with on um, just friends. And then, um, you know, I worked at Moose Jaw and coaching the coaches stayed the coaches and that's what that space was. So I felt like, I think it's frowned upon to say compartmentalize, but it was like, I want these things to be separate. And I saw a lot of value in that. And again, it's like, just keep things fun. And if they start to bleed into other areas, that's going to kind of change the dynamic and it might steal the joy of the job. We'll, we'll throw some psychology out there and say boundaries, right? Maybe it was boundaries. That's the better way, there probably. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump real quickly. And I said before, there's so many things I want to talk about. And so I should probably find Josh again and 
look for my cutoff. But oh, over oh hi, buddy, Josh Cox, everybody. Yay. If if you follow running, he's a phenomenal runner himself, and obviously a great agent and friend to Des. So, um, okay, I really want to talk about your Olympic experiences. Um, and this is where maybe we don't have to go chronologically because how your two Boston experiences jump in. But tell me about um, your first Olympic experience. And um, yeah, we'll start there. And you can talk about whatever you want to talk about as far as the Olympics go. That first one was pretty rough. Now she's trying to make me cry. No, no. I bless, bless your heart for being like, I've got tendinitis. And yeah. it, was, it wasn't tendinitis. It, it, but I mean, it, was, a, it was a tough it's a, it's a crazy, it's a whirlwind, right? Like, I was second in 2011 Boston by two seconds, going trajectory onward, upward. I found my event. I'm finally legit in the sport. Make the Olympic team in my next marathon. Like, okay, it's medals, thinking podium. Like, I've competed with the best in the world. That's what I should be shooting for. And you go out there and you put in that type of effort every single day. And sometimes you have a breakthrough and sometimes you break down in that's just the risk of throwing everything into it. Um, so like two weeks, three weeks prior, I had this really sharp pain in my groin, which was unfortunate um, for a number of reasons. <laughs> I think you said it felt better to like grab it or something, which was like a very inappropriate this really gesture. Like, this, has any, does anybody watch Friends? Like super old school. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember when Joey Tribbiani had, he had lost his health insurance, but then he found out he had a hernia. Like, so, like, I I put my hand, like, really deep in my groin, and I'd be like, oh, God, so much better. But that visual is just not great, right? And, like, they're like, oh, it's tendonitis. I got an MRI. I got a cortisone shot, the whole thing. I'm like, I can run through tendonitis. Like, this is so weird. Um, and I lined up and started and, and tried, and then there was, like, a million turns on that London course. It was just absurd. And, like, the second right-hand turn, I was like, I can't take another step. And so um, I dropped out really early, and... I have, I think last Monday was like my 25th marathon, and I've only dropped out of one. I've only dropped out of one race in my life, and it was the 2012 Olympic Games. So you make a team, you reach that goal, um, that childhood dream comes true, and then to have it end that way was just super high to a crushing low, all in the same kind of time frame. And and since you haven't shed tears yet, I'll keep going. Um, but just talk to me about there's different opinions out there about like, oh, I qualified for the Olympics. I'm going to get the Olympic green tattoo. Uh, and and just, you know, when I, I don't know who made the decision, if it was like USATF or whoever. But when you found out, like if you didn't step foot on the course, they were getting you out of there. Like, do you think once you found that out, you're like, I'm going to tow the course for that reason or were you determined to to get out there and attempt it it was really mixed and like the alternate situation was very um unsettled so i was second then there was kara was third amy craig was fourth she made the 10k team janet balcom was fifth she made the 10k team dina castor was sixth she was injured and like what's interesting about like you literally signed paperwork and you're like, I, I'm going to sign my position, my alternate position away to the next person. So as those two made the 10K team, they signed away their paperwork. Dina got it. She's like, I'm hurt. I'm going to sign my, pa my paperwork away. So it was to seventh. It was already it was down to seventh place. And like to the best of my knowledge, she was also injured. But like she didn't even 
you know, I don't even know if she ever got the paperwork because it was like so far down the list. So the alternate position was really murky. And then it was like, we were going to try and do the right thing and just be like, you know what, let's pass it down. And then that kind of came up where it was like, okay, we'll go to seventh place. And they go like, if we give this to the alternate and you don't start your event, then you're not officially an Olympian. And if you're not an Olympian, you have to pack up all your bags, but just your own stuff, not the Olympic gear we gave you. Um, and you have to leave the Olympic village because this is for Olympians and see you later. Um, and it's like, you have these, entities who market you and brand you and they celebrate you as an Olympian when you cross the line at the trials all the way up to that point and then as soon as it gets hard they're like okay let's throw you out and bring in the next person so I was like you know I feel pretty comfortable about what I've done up to this point and I'm okay with starting and seeing what happens so tough tough decision though yeah no for sure um and then uh, was it right after that you went to uh, St. Vincent, got the, uh, did you see Dr. Arnold? Is that who the team coach, I think, there? But finally finally got officially diagnosed, right, for with that. And so then you didn't feel like, oh, I'm a wuss and just couldn't get through tendonitis. It was, it was a legit stress fracture. So, um, yeah. But maybe felt a little bit justified after that. The, the mental component of that was huge. Like, to be like, oh, this is a real injury that's going to take time and um like it's not just in your head and you're not soft and like you know that was a nice moment even though you're like okay now I got to get healthy but it was like I know how to get healthy from this injury not just like this tendonitis is really bad and I don't know what else to change right so it was, right. It was a nice moment so let's talk about your next Olympic experience. Then we're going to jump to Boston just to let you know where I'm headed here. So, so tell me about then 2016 Olympics. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, too, much better than yeah, your first. For, for I mean, four years, it's like you don't know. And there's no guarantee you're going to make a team again. But you do everything right and you hope. Um, I think there's a line in the book where it's like badassery is existing in the space between being an idiot and wussing out. And that's like what I found getting ready for the 2016 games, because it was like, if I get injured again, pushing really, really hard to like make the podium, if I, if I get injured a second time, you're just an idiot. Like you didn't learn anything, that's just dumb. But it was also like, I, I can get really fit and I can give myself a chance to have the best race of my life. And I found that sweet spot, which was really cool. Um, went out and raced my heart out. I thought it was a fantastic race did not podium, which is always frustrating, but you can only control what you control. And for me, like just getting to the finish line was so rewarding because it wasn't just, I made this team and then I made it to the finish line. It was like, I made a team four years ago, took that experience and decided to learn from it so that I could come back and have this moment. So it was like a lot of lessons coming to fruition just to get to that finish line. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, okay, we're gonna talk Boston. <laughs> Uh, there's so it's so you first of all I'll also say you've had a really long running career like that is really incredible um, and so I think that's why it makes it so complicated this wasn't just like a one-and-done experience and you just have all these phenomenal um, experiences that I would love to jump into but let's talk about Boston several people here did you anybody run Boston this year I know some people did Couple people that just ran it. That's super exciting. My friend Jen did. She's not even raising her hand. So humble. Um, so you know, uh, you have a love for Boston, and and I feel like the grittiness of Boston really fits 
your personality. Um, so you had uh, two Boston experiences, what, seven years apart. Um, and so first, uh, I don't know if it was your first Boston. When you got second, was that your first? That was your second Boston and you got second. Okay. So talk about that experience and then we're going to jump into uh, your 2018 Boston experience. Yeah, 2011 was like when everything clicks and you're like, oh, this is easy, you know, like the training's just easy and everything comes together. Like I, I think the whole buildup, I missed a, one split. I was slow on one split and it was like the last workout before um, race day and we were running it in Florida heat like at 11. And I was like, what are we doing? This is so hot. Like you ruined my whole workout. I was like, I missed it by like one split by like three seconds. Um, so like, that's just how good it went. And I felt like at the beginning of it, I said, I, I think I'm, I can win here. And I put that out into the world and you know, everyone who's in running was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, like that's you're like, right. thanks for the vote of confidence. Right. Totally. It was like, but it, it didn't matter. Like we, when I looked at my logbook and what I did, I was like, I can compete with anyone. Um, and you know, the first early miles, I was like, oh, I've totally underestimated this. This is crazy. Like they were just running so fast. But then around halfway through, as things always kind of happen there, it started to kind of pull back together. And and then it was just as I had pictured it for months and months. And um, it started just going like it was scripted, you know, and, and that just is how effortless it felt um, all the way up until, you know, two miles to go. Whenever I pictured it, it was like, I'll have like a mile where I'm by myself and I'm just sort of soaking it in because I've broken everyone, and then I'll just be like waving to the crowd and whatever. Um, but that was not the case, since yeah, for sure, like this will be great. Um, and then it, you know, just became this three-person sprint. Uh, right in Hereford, left on Boylston, there was three of us, and we traded leads like two to three times. Um, so every everything went like right to plan up to the last, you know, ten meters or whatever, and lost by two seconds. So twenty-six point two miles, two seconds. Do the math. Like that's like a tangent, right? <laughs> um, but I mean, I was like, I, I did everything I could. And so I was very satisfied with the race with some perspective, but immediately I was like, I'm supposed to have the flag and the laurel wreath and the trophy. And like, I was crushed to not have that moment. So this is the part going into 2018 that I, I, I don't want to go into all the specifics because I think the way you tell it in the book is really special and important for people to hear that um, and the way you've laid it out. But suffice it to say that going into 2018, it was a little bit of a shit show. Is that, is that a good representation of what was going on in your life? That's a great representation. Okay, cool. I think, and I think <laughs> like you, you open the book and you read the prologue and you're like, this isn't what I... This is not the story I thought it would be. Yeah. So I don't think that's too big of a spoiler at all. Oh, okay. I think that's okay. very fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, again, trying to figure out all the all the emotions. I, I didn't get emotional, uh, actually, until when was it? So we'll set the stage again. Um, lots of health issues. Um, training not going well. Uh split with Hanson's or I don't it wasn't even an official split so you're still under contract with them but just some differences of opinions with Dathan joining the team and again you guys can find podcasts and a great book called Choosing to Run if you want to find all the details um, but you had envisioned so many times winning Boston and um, but going into this race 
it just wasn't looking great. And and I'll tell you when I got emotional is you talk about your husband, Ryan, throughout the book, um, you know, here and there, but not a ton. And really, I think when he comes onto the scene in the book is when he's talking to you before the race and sort of it seems like uncharacteristically is like telling you like you can do it. Uh, talk, going back to boundaries, you you said personally and professionally, you try to keep things separated. But I got teary eyed in that part of the book. So uh Tell me just a little bit about that. Also, the the interaction with Josh when the when y'all walked outside the hotel and the weather was just like so shit that you guys just laughed hysterically. Like I love like there was something about that interaction of the book that seemed like it broke everything open. You know, so just talk about those couple interactions. Yeah, I, I think the couple days before, what was really missing, and we talked about this right at the top, is like none of it was fun. Like it suddenly felt like that race was a burden and it was all work. And I was like, there, there's so many other things I can do with my time and this isn't fun. It's not enjoyable. Like I just need to get through Monday and then I'm going to figure out like the next thing in my life. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to have Ryan who was like, Dude, you, I, like, I believe in you. When I didn't believe in me and I wasn't enjoying it, he was like, I, I believe in you and I know that this is still there and I know it's this is hard right now and it's not fun, but this is, like, ideal for you and you can go out there and you can find joy in that, not just running, but racing. And, and that was the first moment I was like, he was right, you know, and it, I hate to say that. <laughs> Keep that in the vault, guys. <laughs> He's not here. It's right, fine. We right. won't tell him. But you start to reevaluate. And then that was kind of like the crack. And then the next morning, like, I didn't go outside at all the day before. And so I didn't even know. I was just like, I don't, I don't look Can I just weather. say I love the fact, because every runner in here, how many times do you check the weather? Like, a week out, all y'all are chalk checking the weather. It's like 48 hours out, people. Like, protect your sanity for those, you know, that week leading up to. So, yeah, you were like, yeah, it's not going to be great weather, but you're kind of clueless. Oh, I was. (laughs) And then, like, he was talking to me. Brian was talking to me about it, and I, like, pulled up the weather. I'm like, oh, that is terrible. Um, That's going to be awful. And then, you know, but I still, like, I didn't go outside and experience anything like that. And the first time in, like, two days that I stepped outside, it was Josh and I walking out to the bus, and the door, like, flew open because the wind caught it. Josh had, like, a Padres hat on it, like, flipped off. He was like, oh. Go Dodgers. And it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> 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 but it was, it was, it was hysterical. But it cracked it y'all like, up, right? Yeah. Like, you were just like, is this really happening, right? And it changed to, like, this, this could be fun. Like, we can go out and have some fun today. I love that. And, and. Probably the opposite of what everybody else on the field was thinking, right? Like, because they, so why do you think that is? I mean, every runner knows there's bad weather and those conditions. Was it all the years of training and super hot and then Michigan? Or do you think that's just your personality? I think it's been taught to me. You know, I think when I went to Arizona State, it was like, just 95 when you start practice at 5.50 in the morning. You're like, coach, can we go at 5.30? And he's like, no, I'm not getting up any earlier. Like, like we're the only college kids in the country being like, can we go earlier? Um, and then you, from that, like, I remember trying to join the Hansons, and they're like, you're not going to be able to run in Michigan. Like, this, you're from California, and you went to school at ASU. I'm like, yeah, but adversity is adversity. And being uncomfortable is 
like I'm used to that. I can adjust. I can adapt. And like that was the mentality. People go like, oh, it must have been good for you. It wasn't good for me. It's just that it's everyone else lets it be bad for them. Like it doesn't have to be bad. It can just be what it is. But if you decide that you don't perform well in X conditions, we've already set yourself back. And I refuse to let that happen. I love that. That's so good. Um, okay, during the race, I still remember, I'm sure everybody in here was like watching the race. And the commentators know like half of what they're talking about, right? Um, I know those people. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know that until yeah. my husband watching a race with him. And then he's yeah. like, they don't know what they're talking about. This is what's really happening. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, when somebody's a runner, they know, they know what's going on. So as I was watching it, we were all trying to figure out like what's happening. Like yeah. the, you, you could tell there was an interaction with you and Shalane and, and that I think somebody did make the comment that it looked like you were sort of like helping her. Um, and, and so, yeah, talk a little bit just about how that race unfolded. And then we're going to get to some non running questions and we'll go from there. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think early on it was like, it was around six miles also being very practical like dropping out of the olympics like if i try to grit through this is it going to set me back for how long is this just like putting me back in a negative spot that i have to actually climb out of it and recover from in a bigger way um so around six miles i was like this isn't practical like i'm just gonna step off after halfway um and so i found shalane in the pack i was like hey if you need anything like let me know and that like being like let me set the pace for you or like block some wind whatever it was um, and then, you know, around the halfway point in a very strange event, she, she kind of took me up on that, which was funny, but it was like, she, she asked, do you think I can go to the bathroom? And I was like, I've mother, may I go to the bathroom? Right. Like, yes, you may. Like, I've never been in on a run and had to go to the bathroom. And then like more as the miles went by, it got better. <laughs> like. How many yards have you pooped in, Des? <laughs> <laughs> Zero. I'll stop immediately and just be like, we got to solve this right now because it's not getting better. And then it becomes an emergency. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, you should go. Like, I'll slow it down up front. And it was just like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help somebody else out today because it's not my day. Um, and then in that process, like, it really became about effort. Like, oh, this is the right effort. And this is where I should be running at. And then I felt more comfortable. Um, and when I didn't, it was like, Oh, like everyone, it was also noticing that everyone was uncomfortable. Like it wasn't great for anyone. So it was just like who was going to have their head on the right way on the right on that day. So, yeah. Okay. Talk about uh, where you led. Was it 22? When did you, when were you, well, you didn't know really, right? Like you kept thinking, I can't, maybe I can't hear footsteps behind me because the rain and my headband and all that. And, and so did you not know until that last turn? When did you know you had it? I took, I know I took the lead. I remember going up heartbreak and being like, I could finish second today. This would be amazing. Like I can be runner up. And then we passed the woman who was leading and I was like, I'm going to test this woman, um, Cheshire, who, like I, she really wanted to be leading. And I was like, I, I think I can get a gauge on how she feels. Like if I pass her and she immediately responds, like she's, she's feeling good. If I pass her and she doesn't respond, like it's going to be a mental game. Like I can just break her little soul, um, you know? And this is, this is why we love Des. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I will end her. And so you're dead to me. Yeah. So, so I did it and she didn't respond and I'm like, okay, like now I'm leading. 
And and then it but then it was running afraid because I knew I was slowing down. I knew it was hard. I knew like I like it was also like this is a marathon. Like the last six miles, the, when the wheels fall off, like you can be running five forty pace and go to seven forty like that, you know. And so I was running just afraid that someone was chasing me and also afraid that the wheels might fall off any second. And so I knew I was in the lead, but I didn't. I never knew. I always assumed it was much much closer, and I had that. Uh, visual of 2011. I was like, right on Hereford. Okay, I'm I'm ready to go. Left on Boylston. I was like, if someone has been chasing me, they've been working significantly harder than I have, and I'm ready to race here. Like it's 608 meters, and I can find a kick. I know how to run this stretch better than anyone in the world, and uh, and so I was ready for that. And then right around the Lennox, um, Tom Grilk, the president of the yeah, at the time was uh, there and he did like a fist pump. <laughs> and I was like, he would not be fist pumping if I was about to get caught. So that's when I yeah, was like, that would I be a real think, asshole move. I if think he was I doing won. That. Right. Yeah. So that was it. It was pretty late in the game. Yeah. No, Lennox yeah. is like right there. That's so right. yeah, you're like, I'm good. Okay, sweet. Now, now I can be excited about it. That's awesome. Well, and I love this little story about I'm a rule follower. I heard Kara recently say it. She's a rule follower. Josh said his wife is a rule follower, but Ryan was like, in the box or whatever where, you know, like people are and Des is winning, Ryan, Des's husband, and you're like, let's go, you know, and he's like, I'm supposed to be in the box, you know. <laughs> you're like, come on, like this is this is the moment. Yeah, yeah, forget not that. Going to jail. <laughs> right. This is this is totally worth it. Let's go down and celebrate. And so it's sort of a joke about after you cross the finish line, there's this three way hug with Josh and your husband and you. Um, but but you talked about especially when things were sort of breaking apart with the Hansons, like that these people that's your team, right? And that I love in the book how you're like it wasn't about gosh, what did you what did you keep saying in the book? Not jerseys or colors, but colorways or something like. You didn't all have to be in the same jersey. You didn't all have to be in the same colorway. You were like, this is my people, my physio, my husband, my agent. And and um, so I, I, I really, let's see if I can find it too. I thought it was pretty emotional when you were just talking about finishing that. And running professionally is a little selfish, right? Like it's a selfish sport. And your sister and your family and all these people, uh, did that just feel a little like justified in that moment that everything they've done to support you like here's my gift back to you oh so great and I, you don't expect to have that moment it's not about justice in the sport like everyone's trying hard everyone's working hard everyone has a great team for the most part and you don't necessarily get that day but if it does happen i mean when it did happen it was what a feeling and you know you you cross the finish line alone and you have a couple seconds where you're by yourself but like I've, I never felt alone. It was like every single person on that finish line, like I had built a relationship with starting back to 2011, 2007, getting introduced into the marathon. Uh, John Hancock was a title sponsor. Like the guy, like the guy who's putting the flag on my shoulders people are laughing, like the flag guy can't get the, the flag on her shoulders. Like that's Dean Minnie. Like I've known him since 2011. Like he's every, not just the flag guy. Right, yeah. right. He's got a name guys. Like he's, he's important. And like, it just felt like this really cool moment where, um, it, it wasn't like, I think that's why it kind of resonated a little more. It wasn't a me win. It was like an us win. And it felt like bigger for, the city of Boston. It felt like, you know, the whole selfish comment, like you hear people talk about the moment where they heard it on the course. 
Like, I was at mile, you know, 17 and having a hard time. I was at mile 22 and uh, someone yelled out, Des won. And that's like the, the best thing to hear because it takes something that's so selfish and you go like, this moment uplifted other people. It made it just so much more special. We, <laughs> so awesome. Yes, they can all attest to you. The gift that you gave them by winning that day um, and female Americans in the marathon distance. It was, it was phenomenal. It was very spectacular. Um, okay, so and I know she's got to get out of here soon. Uh, gosh, I have like an entire page of questions that I didn't ask. But um, you have to come back and we'll do bourbon, coffee, and, and more. It'll with be Des. an all day or. Okay, yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. In the and the tipsier you get, the questions <laughs> the and the answers the right, are going right. to get more and more interesting. <laughs> Love that. Um, so I do want to, now, now I got to pick and choose a little bit. And um, I'm going to go with, there were some quotes I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into, and I'm just going to pick one of them. Um, the one most interesting to me legacy is a word that you detest. Can you talk more about that? Is that a weird one to end on? Sorry. I, I mean, legacy is like, what do you want people to remember about you? And, you know, it's for me, it's not about the opinions of others. I think that's what's kind of been interesting about this process with the book. Like, uh, the publisher was starting to send uh, reviews back, and it was the very first email, and like everyone, there's a, so all these people CC'd, and they would all like reply, like, oh, this is so great, oh, this is so cool, like, this is a great review. And I messaged Josh, and we talked about it, I'm like, can you, I don't want any, I don't want any reviews, because they're just, they're- It's your memoir, what are you gonna change? Right, their opinions, and like, the people that matter have already weighed in, and we've made the adjustments, and we've tweaked it, and like, I'm happy with it, they're happy with it, like, these, opinions good or bad and josh put it very succinctly it's like it, it um I'm trying to think of how you said it but it's like you're never as good as they say you are and you're never as bad as they say you are so like what's figure out what's real and that happens with your team and then the rest is just noise so legacy is what other people want to remember you for and like that's great and people can talk about that but for me, like that's a thing that I work with my team on, and I feel really good about that. So, you know, legacy's noise to me. I love that. Thank you for that perspective. I, I was so curious when I read that. I wanted to dig into a little bit, a little bit deeper because I think. I mean, we're not professional runners, but I think everybody almost has this burden of what your legacy is going to be. Um, and and so it's good to hear like be your authentic self and what people think of you is kind of doesn't matter outside of that that core circle so I love that thank you so before we wrap up if you've never listened to running the 615 with Drew Jones um, he has a great podcast um, I think his first guest was probably his best guest I was his first guest. That was really because I didn't, I didn't have an appearance fee. Wonderful you know, I, segue. I lived first like guest. two miles down the road. So I was like, hey, CB, let me test my you know sound equipment. And I'm like, sure, I can do that with you. So no, seriously, Drew Jones, I'm going to bring him up here. He's going to do so typically at the end of his podcast, he does what's called speed sessions. So he's going to do some rapid fire questions uh, with Des. You want to sit up here? Or are you going to stand uh, there? Justin wants me back here. Justin, great job again on the audio. This sounds so good. Woo! Hi, thank you, Justin. So you didn't know, Desi, but you're a guest right now on Running the 615. Let's go. Thank you so much. Speed sessions. I always ask this question first. What is the fastest mile you've ever run in your life? What's your time? I want to say like 443. 
443, everyone. That's faster than me, Desi. <laughs> okay, quick questions, no wrong answers. Are you ready? Uh, probably not, but okay, go for it. Okay, yeah, here we go. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Night owl. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Yes. All. <laughs> Coffee, tea, soda, water, or alcohol? You can pick two. Coffee, alcohol. Boom, bookends, awesome. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Every time. Beach or mountains? Uh, beach. Okay, here we go. This one's clever. Something that is not good for you that you do anyway. Drink bourbon. <laughs> All right, let's flip it. Something that is good for you that you want to do more of. Drink bourbon. Also correct. <laughs> Favorite cookie or candy? I'm a candy connoisseur, but I'll go Snickers. Snickers, all right. What is your favorite sports team? Uh, Padres. Padres, Josh Chargers, Padres, Padres. Absolutely uh, endorses. The, the LA thing. Okay, so. All right. Favorite TV show or movie of all time? Stumped. Pass. Pass. Uh, I was like, you are what's stumped? I yeah, had watched We'll say that. Friends. You watch Friends. We know that. Okay. You are a music fan. I know this. You're in Music City. If you could see anybody tonight in concert at the Ryman right over your shoulder, who would you go see? Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, yes. If that happens, I want to go Dead or alive, yes. <laughs> Going for it. All right, this one's tricky. If you were at a live music event and you wanted to crowd surf, who's the first person you go to? Jones Drew. Yes. <laughs> Quick story there. Desi and I have crowd surfed more than once. First time that happened was at Austin, Texas. Uh, I've known Desi for 30 minutes. We're at a uh, 80s cover band, and she looks at me and gives me like the thumbs up, like I'm ready to crowd surf. I know Desi's a professional runner. She's a big deal for Brooks. I've worked for Brooks for like two years at this time. Never did it cross my mind that it was a bad idea. I was like, hell yes. <laughs> Desi wants to crowd surf. Let's do it. And it was awesome. We did it all night. 80s cover band. It was super fun. The next day, CEO comes in to the Brooks uh, Expo, and he's like, hey, man, I heard you guys had fun last night. I was like, it was awesome. I was like, he's like, I heard Desi was crowd surfing. I was like, hell yeah, she was crowd surfing. It was great. And he looks at all of us. He goes, just a heads up. If any of you dropped her, none of you work at Brooks today. <laughs> and I was like, noted. So we did it again the next year. <laughs> Drew, can, I thought they said, show me your splits. And then I had to get on your shoulders and hold my watch up. That is correct. She <laughs> show has me an your Instagram post to that. I had several buddies that reached out that said, please tell me that is not the Boston Marathon winner on your shoulders. It is. Uh, what you can't see other than my little bitty, little bitty man bun and that told, is I am holding on for dear life. All, all Bru I've got. Bruises on the back of my legs. Thank you, Debbie, for <laughs> That's that crowd amazing. surf moment. That was the best. What is your favorite song to run fast to? She doesn't listen to music when she runs. Oh, my gosh. Read the book, Drew. I did Just plan kidding. What do you listen to? What's your favorite? Uh, a pre-run pre hype song. I'll go with g Easy. me, myself, and I. Yes. All right, we got one more question. Oh, no, we got two more. What is your favorite running shoe of all time? <laughs> glycerin. Glycerin. We got some glycerin wares out here, right? Yeah? Uh, you designed a shoe. We're going to do a little giveaway. We have a shoe called the Hyperion Tempo, and you designed a shoe. What went into your design on that shoe? I just answered a lot, of, or I did a lot of interviews, and then they gave me mock-ups, and they're like, which one do you like? And I was like, that one. And they're like, we'll go with that one. <laughs> This is like being Super in a, like being in a big time involvement. Right? The great answer, Desi, no. We're going to go with this. Okay, that is the Hyperion Tempo. We're going to give a couple of those away in just a second. Last question, Desi. What has running taught you? Resilience. You know, getting in shape is super hard. And you have to show up every day and you have to suffer through it. But when you get there, 
it's awesome. It's always worth it. And I think that that's a lesson that translates to most things that are difficult. It's going to be hard, but it's always going to be awesome. Yes. Desi Linden, everybody. Perfect guest for running the 615. You knocked it out of the park.